to another edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans and where the content is free. It is episode 149 of the flagship weekly show that we do every Sunday. I'm your host tonight. Uh, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say every time, guys, it's not just the pod that we have here at Jersnet. We've got the forums on the, on the website. There's match previews, match reports, all that kind of stuff. There's a history archive on the website as too, and, uh, and obviously Frankie's got his social media. Lots of stuff going on, so get yourself on there. Uh, if you like what we do here at Jersnet, we'd ask you to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Put the word out there on social media. We're live tonight. It's a Sunday night. We'll be looking at the game from yesterday uh, at the Park against St. Johnson. But the pod will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher. Spotify, all the usual places, guys. Uh, I'll bring in my guests in a couple of minutes, but I, I need to I need to give a wee mention. Uh, we've, we've got a new contributor on Jersnet this season, uh, Gary Valentine. Uh, we have to offer our congratulations because he became a dad over the weekend there. Uh, I think it's a wee baby boy he's got. Uh, Mum and baby are doing well, so big congratulations from everyone here in Jersnet to Gary and his wife and, and, and all his family. Uh, and now, so on to the, the guests. So I've, tonight, I've, I've got I've got Ross Bennett and I've got David Fraser. I think I'll bring David Fraser in first because it's actually in all the years we've been doing the pod, it's the first time, it's the first time I've actually seen your face, David. You're you know we've always just listened to one another, uh, and in an unusual form, it, your face doesn't fit what I was expecting. How you doing, Collie? I know bad. I'm looking at myself here. I'm looking like an extra from Captain Scarlet with the eyebrows. I, 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 it wasn't what I was expecting at all. I must admit, your voice had, had projected a different image, uh, and I, what I'm seeing now is not. And, and I was agreeing with Frankie when I logged on. I was like, "Who's this guy?" And I was like, "All oh, right, it's David." <laughs> <laughs> a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. Not yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I'll square you up with a score later. No bother. Uh, the checks in the post, as they say. Uh, and, and also joining us is Ross and unfortunately we've seen his face plenty of times before so you know nothing, nothing new about his coupon uh, how are you Ross? I was fine and now I've just taken a, a real knock to my ego so thank you for that oh, come, don't give me it Ross your ego's unknockable I've no, had no, a couple I'm... of pints with you in Glasgow I've seen you out and about I know what you're like I'm part of the snowflake generation you see snowflake generation. because I can't I can't take any criticism I need I need to have my ego massaged at every opportunity. Well, I think you're on the wrong pod for that, to be honest with you, Ross. Uh, there's no ego massaging goes on here. Quite the opposite. Uh, right, guys. So, I mean, obviously, a, a big result yesterday for Rangers. And it was quite a, I wouldn't say a dirty game, but it certainly had an edge to it. Uh, and a, a great result in, in, in the end up. Uh, we'll have a wee look at that. Another wee discussion about the, the COVID passport stuff given some announcements today. We'll have a wee look at the, you know, the start of the Europa League campaign on uh, Thursday. Ross, I'll come at you first. I mean, the, the game yesterday, I mean, it was it was a strange one, I thought, you know, because overall the performance, I, I don't think it was a bad performance. It wasn't a great performance, yeah, but I don't think it was a bad performance. It, it just, I just think in that final third, we, we just lacked a wee bit of cutting edge at times. But one thing I did like about it was it felt to me like one of these games that in the past we might have you know dropped points here, uh, but we, we, we dug it out. And, and given that we're now top of the league, you know, Hibs and Hearts through today, uh, and given that there's this sort of 
image and, and viewpoint that we've not had the best start to the season, which you would have to agree with. You know, the, the importance of that result to, to, to put us top, hugely significant, and hopefully it, it clicks things on now and, and, and they push on. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think I agree. I wouldn't call it a bad performance. Um, it was a very robust, very kind of agricultural game. And that's not really a pun about St. Johnston being a bunch of farmers, but it was it was very physical. It was quite turgid. It wasn't much fun to watch, certainly in the first half and, and probably until until they scored, really. Um, things changed a little bit after that, but you're right. We just kind of struggled to create anything. I thought we, we actually looked fairly solid. We, we still don't look totally fluent on the ball. There's still passes going astray and, and things not linking up quite right. But the, yeah, the thing that struck me yesterday was just the lack of creativity and, and chances weren't really, weren't really forthcoming. I think in that first half, we only really had the Kamar Roof shot, which was kind of pammed away by by the keeper there. So, um, not great to watch, not really a very enjoyable game, um, other than a, a, a fantastic goal that I'm sure we'll come on to. But you're right, I mean, a hugely, hugely important result. Um, because it always, it, you know, it comes in the, in the wake, even though it's been a couple of weeks, it comes in the wake of us winning the old firm, right? So, well, for all this talk of us not having a good start to the season, I don't think any of us would disagree with that. We're not playing as we played last year. Um, it would have been a very 2018-2019 Rangers thing to do, to win that old firm game and then screw it up two weeks later against St Johnston. Um, and for a little while, it felt like it, it, it might go that way. But um, look, last year on this show, I, you'd have lost count the number of times that we'd have said, oh, that was a game we'd have lost last season. We can't really say that anymore because we never lost any games last season. Um, but it's the kind of game that in the past... Uh, on the first couple of years of Gerrard, going back to, to Kaishinha, going back to Marty and, and to Warburton, this was the kind of game that would have that would have really tripped us up, I think. Um, and it is, it's a hugely significant result because obviously, look, Hearts and Hibs, neither of those is going to win the league. Rangers or Celtic will win the league. Bookies favour us fairly heavily. Um, but it's very significant for us to follow up the old firm victory with a win, reclaim top spot in the league after after the Edinburgh side through today. Um, and that's that's ultimately all that matters. Um, I don't know if either of you have seen the um, relentless documentary, I suppose you'd call it, or the season review that, that, that's gone out on Rangers TV in the last week or so. Um, but there's a line in there from from Yanis Hadji. And it was after like a, a 1-0 victory that we'd had. Um, and, and Hadji said, we're not always going to play that well, but it doesn't really matter if we get if we get the three points because every three points is just as important. You know, yesterday was as important as the three points against Celtic a couple of weeks ago. Arguably more so because we're now every you know the next three points is always the most important. Um, so a hugely significant result. To, to paraphrase Brendan Rodgers, we showed great character to, to dig out a result there. Um, and ultimately, you know, I didn't really enjoy the game, but I've enjoyed every moment afterwards. Yeah, it was a bit twitchy at times yesterday, wasn't it? Listen, it was, and, and those are the results that I think you enjoy all the more. You know what I mean? It's it's great to win 5 6 nothing, but, you know, and, and it's comfortable. And, you know, when the third and the fourth go in, you can just sit back and enjoy it. But at the end of the game, it's like, right, okay, let's head home or whatever and job done. Uh, when you win games in the manner that we won it yesterday, it feels big and it feels important uh, and, and you enjoy it more, I think. 
Uh, David, uh, I mean, the first thing that really maybe set alarm bells ringing yesterday about about the game was was when the team sheet came out. Uh, now there was some chat on our WhatsApp on the, on the Friday that that Goldson there was a rumour in the rounds that, that Goldson had COVID and he, he wasn't going to be there. And sure enough, he wasn't in the team. Ending an, an 81 game run, <laughs> he played like every minute of, of of all those 81 games, which is quite incredible. Uh, I mean, he's he's, he's not positive. He's, you know, he was he's having to self isolate, close contact kind of thing. But I mean, that that did when you seen that, you thought, oh god, it could be a bit more of a of a, a touchy game or a tight game than than, we, than we'd hoped for. Uh, and it looks like COVID so far this season. I mean, last year the players were in their bubbles, and so there wasn't much opportunity for them to, to catch it, apart from the ones that, that broke the rules, obviously. But this season, it feels like for all clubs, you know, everyone's out and about. And I, I mean, I've heard, I've heard people say, "Oh, well, players should just be straight to training, straight home, and nobody socialising and stuff like that." One, I think that's unrealistic. But two, they've got families, they've got kids at schools, they've got wives going to work or socialising themselves. It's to me. It's going to have a huge impact in all teams this season. I, th- I think we'll see it more this season than we did last. Undoubtedly, Colin. Obviously, we we seem to get away with the prize last season in terms of our main men um, escaping COVID-free for the most part. But already this season, we've we've seen Yanis Hadji test positive, and obviously Connor Goldson has had to self isolate, and obviously the, the manager and the goalkeepers there before the the Celtic game in the, the third leg in Armenia. So, uh, it's obviously it's an occupational hazard at the minute. Um, but I would just echo Gary McAllister's mantra there um, last week or the week before. And, you know, unity, we've got to pull together. Um, the sporting director and the, the football staff have assembled a, a good squad. Um, they've got good players, or two good players for every position. And, you know, we're going to be faced with these upheaval. Um, Conor Goldson, obviously, that's a tremendous um, record that he's got, no missing any minutes of the last 81 games. And that's superb. And obviously, given the guy's health issues in, in the past before he signed for Rangers, that you know, he, he wished that he would get a clean bill of health to catch up in the time that he lost because he's his heart issues. Um, we miss him. Um, I think he's. He's a defender that we should still be looking to keep, despite, you know, there's been murmurs about whether he should move on or whether we should cash in on him, etc. Et he's still a good defender. Um, he's, he's proved his worth over the time that he's been at the club, so he'll be a miss. Um, but, you know, as, as Gary McAllister and the, the manager's echoed this week, you, you've got to show this unity and everybody's got to step up, come together, and, and in the face of adversity, you've got to put your best self forward. And, you know, big game yesterday in terms of um, maintaining that momentum carrying over from the Celtic game. Uh, as you guys have mentioned, they're about a tousy affair, but you know, we came out with the three points and we've managed to, to get back to the top of the league as a result of the, the Edinburgh Derby today and, and maintain that position. So, all eyes now, um, without talking about um, a point for later in the show, but all eyes turn to Thursday now so we've, we've really got to, to step up and hopefully hopefully some we get some in the, the weeks ahead there's also David there's also like for the guys that are on the fringes it's, it's an opportunity surely you know what I mean if they've, if they've been if they've been chapping on Gerard's door saying why am I not getting game time 
you know, when someone like Goldson slips out, Gerard can say to them, right, now you need to show me why you think you should be on the team. Undoubtedly. But obviously the, the, the senior member of the, the, the backup is obviously Liam Balligan and he's been on the side of late and obviously covering for, for James Tavernier in the, the old firm game and slotted into his natural position yesterday. But in light of a Philip Hollander's injury, obviously we don't know how bad that is as yet. Um, you know, we're maybe looking to show like it may be a case of Calvin Bassey coming in uh, and playing at centre-half, assuming that Bonabaris is fit, is fit and available because Jack Simpson hasn't been named in the European squad. So, uh, as, you, as you rightly say, it's, you know, there's, there's players that have been on the fringe have maybe been knocking at the, the manager's door and saying, you know, why am I not getting game time? And then there's maybe, you know, these guys are, are maybe realistic and say, well, the guys that are currently in situ are playing well and I'm not really any case to, you know, to go to the manager and say, how come I'm not playing? Um, but that said, you know, if we're all pulling together and, and the manager's obviously, you know, spoke to each individual player in the run-up to, to start the season and said, you know, you will get game time during the season. Obviously, yesterday, um, John Lachlan came in. You know, and maybe that was a bit of a surprise to some that he was starting again. Um, but, but you know, I would say Stevie's um, he's done it. He's put it this way: he's not got caught with his pants down in terms of squad rotation in the last season, um, and certainly not so far this season, the best of my knowledge. Uh, so, I look undoubtedly it's you know, there's an opportunity there for for guys that maybe would be seeing as much game time when trying to get a settled team and other together in the other part of the season, or a chance to come in and maybe stamp their. Uh, their authority, if that's the right word on the side. Well, it's the, I mean, I, I think we've seen already this season that, that Rangers aren't defending the same way that they defended last year. You know, we're, we're conceding goals. We're still winning, but we're conceding more goals, certainly, than, than, than we did last season. However, I, I, another point I would I would want to talk about now is is the, the, the sort of final third, you know, the, the front three. You know, we enjoyed 85% of possession uh, yesterday at half time. So you're looking at that those stats thinking eighty-five percent. And I think the only real chance I can remember was the one that Ruth had, you know, he sort of chested it down and tried to get a shot away and, and someone blocked it. Couldn't really break St. Johnson down for all that possession. Five minutes into the second half, we get done on the counter, Michael Hallen and runs through, had to be him, uh, of all people, uh scores. And then you're like, you know, it, it, I think a few people have spoke about the, the defensive side. I think I see a lot of chat about that. You know, we're conceding this season in ways that we weren't last season. But it also worries me that we're, we're just not as effective up front in that final third. We're having lots of possession. But yesterday, the first half was a, was a good example of it. But not doing a, a huge amount with it at times. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like I say, I think the, the creativity or, or just the chance creation doesn't doesn't seem to be quite there. And um and when it was there yesterday, I mean, the football and the build-up to the penalty was was lovely. And I think, you know, to a degree, you have to look at well, what what are you up against? And I'm not saying you know you'd give St Johnston credit because they are they're a very physical side, um, but they are well organised. They have got a, a, a good manager. Um, they, they they knew how they wanted to play, and as Gerard said uh, in, in his comments after the game. Things at, uh, at St Johnson are kind of set up to to make you uncomfortable 
Um, it's it's not a very pleasant place to be. The grass is really long. It, it, it's done deliberately to, to not lend itself to the Rangers style of play. Um, so I, I can see that in, in situations like that, we're not going to create as many chances as we would do against, say, Hamilton at home that we you know turned over 8-0 last season. Um, but it was it was frustrating. It was definitely um it's it's probably becoming a concern because you're right, we're we're not it's not just yesterday's game. We are not creating chances in the same way that, that we did consistently last season, which is a shame. You know, we've got it's the same players, um, and that we didn't we didn't lose anyone over the summer, which was a, a, a bit of a surprise. Um but when like I say, when things do start to link up, we we we, we get into an excellent the ball into to Kent from Aribo was was fantastic and um he got absolutely cleaned out uh, and, and and won a penalty and um yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure what it is like I say the players haven't changed. Um I know a lot of them would have obviously been over at um uh, at the European Championships over the summer but uh from from memory it was more of our defensive players, you know, it was your Borna Barisic, Nathan Patterson, Glenn Kamara, Phil Hollander. So it's not our, uh, that our creative strikers or creative attacking players should be should be feeling that fatigue. Um, it is a strange one. It is a little bit concerning and a little bit frustrating. Um, I think in games like yesterday, that that's the, the overwhelming feeling for me is one of frustration. Um, but yes, St. Johnson's tactic is to employ that and, and 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 to frustrate as much as possible through time wasting through physicality through just general kind of dark arts i think you'd call it um but i think rangers have to be credited for the fact that they got through that you know they broke that down they went one nil down as you say it had to be o'halloran um and it was o'halloran who is their paciest player going up against phil Hollander, who's a very smart defender and a very capable defender but he's not pacey um and that's probably he just uh, got himself a little bit tangled up with, with O'Halloran taking the ball down and running at him. Um, but I do think that the players and the team deserve credit for the way that they came back from that and, and having a very, very frustrating first half. They would have all gone into that dressing room feeling incredibly irritated and annoyed that they hadn't been creating anything. Um, and, it, you know, it ultimately was a, a moment of magic from Tavernier, from the captain who had to take charge of the situation and say, this isn't working. Okay, we we we've scored, we've equalised, we've got a penalty, but um, ultimately we are not creating enough chances to win the game. And he does something about it. He tries something different. Again, to go back to the the season review documentary. Um, actually, no, sorry, it wasn't. It was it was Tavernier's comments after the game. I think he said he's been told the players have been told to shoot more um, and, and and to try things and and have a goal. And I'm very very glad that he did because it was a super goal. Um, and despite the frustration, despite not creating much, we've we've come away with the result that we deserved. Yeah, you might need to unmute. That comment you've made there about Tav, are you actually seen that though in games? Because I'm not. I, I I still think sometimes Rangers are guilty of overplaying it. You know, there's opportunities to shoot that they don't take. I'm seeing it. I saw it from Tav in the second half. I think it was three or four minutes before he scored. There was one where he was more on the left side of the park, and he admittedly put it sort of three or four yards over the over the crossbar. Um, I think that Tav, uh, Kent, and probably Hadji, and certainly, of course, Morel Morelos would shoot from anywhere. But I do think that Tav, Kent, and Hadji are the ones who are a little bit more willing to have a go, and it's it's probably the reason that we all get frustrated at Tav so often is that it doesn't always come off. 
Um, but I think, yeah, I, I wish we'd see it a little bit more from other players, actually. I wish that Glenn Kamara, that Joe Aribo, players like that, would, would even Steve Davis, um, I, I do sometimes wish that they could have a go a little bit more and, and, and try their luck. You know, we've seen some fantastic goals from Joe Aribo. Um, I think there's one from, was it Motherwell last season? He scores an absolutely wonderful goal. Um, so I do sometimes think, I, I agree with that criticism that actually we, we do overplay it at times. I think there are certain players that will um, that will try and do something different. But we look at Ryan Kent yesterday. I mean, that boy had no chance to create anything because there were always two or three St. Johnson players on him ready to take him down. Um, arguably, a lot more yellow cards should have been shown for persistent fouling on Ryan Kent alone yesterday. But that's what you're up against in Scotland. That's what St. Johnson's game plan was to do. And it was up to us to find a way to come through that. Well, we did, and Kent got two assists yesterday. So, you know, you can foul him well, all you want. He'll still, still, still produce. Exactly. Uh, David, uh, uh, on the penalty, so obviously we went 1-0 down uh, five minutes into the second half. You know, at that point, I must admit, it was a bit squeaky bum time for myself. I'm thinking, oh, Christ, here we go again. And it's got that feeling of, you know, the 2019-20 the, the season that, that, that sort of Ross was talking about. But we came back quite quickly. Uh, you know, good build-up play, good pass play. I think it was Aribo that, that played that into Kent. And Kent was clever, I thought. You know, I, I thought he could have got the shot away, but, but he anticipates the tackle coming in, puts the ball on the far side and just lets the boy, you know, take his leg and, and get the penalty. Very, very clever. In my opinion, there's no debate about this, but I, I have been seeing today in social media that our good friend and uh, uh, colleague, if you want to call him that, Michael Stewart, has been saying, I think he was saying on sports scene, that there is some dubiety about the penalty. Maybe it's something to do with biomechanics. I don't know. But for me, I, I mean, I think I think uh, Kent won it. I think he was clever in what he'd done. But I don't think there's any doubt that it's a penalty. And even Andy Walker agreed it was a penalty for Christ's sake. It's a stonewall penalty, call. I mean, if Michael Stewart, he can... I can you can greet a bit of all it likes. It was a stonewall penalty. You may, you could possibly argue that, that Kent plays for it, but he, look, Ryan Kent's one of the best players in the league fouls. I mean, he's not quite in Jack Greeley's territory, but he's, um, you know, he, he plays in a way that he's going to draw uh, undue attention from opposition defenders. So, but I don't think there's any debate. It was a stonewall penalty kick and, um, I, I, I'm, I'm glad for, for Ryan Kent yesterday because he had a couple of instances in the first half yesterday with underrated passes and you're thinking, oh, he's, he's, he's just not clicked this season. Um, and he, to kind of uh, embellish Ross's points about how the, the, the team's maybe not clicking into gear, I think it's important to remember that there's, there's, there's significant starting 11 guys that have had a curtailed pre-season. So... I think we know we're now, you know, getting around about the sixth, seventh, eighth game in. Now we should start to hopefully click shortly in the next few games, uh, and I'm I'm fully expecting the, the, the side to to move up at least a gear. I think you know some of the frustrations that we've all been sharing this season is that you know we've we've looked as if we've been playing within ourselves in the sense that there's maybe a couple of gears to go into. Um, I think some of that has been good game management. Yesterday, I think, you know, you looked in the first half of Wales with all the possession and St. Johnson put, you know, effectively 10 men behind the ball. You know, it, 
even the best teams can struggle to, to break down pack defences, especially ones that are organised and committed. And, and you know, for nothing else, you, you, St Johnston are definitely organised. I don't think they're a particularly good side. I, I think the fact that they were double cup winners last season flattered them. Um, I think it more or less shone a light too much luck and the opposition performing on the day can play a part in, in gaining success. You know, so those fine lines that, that Walter Smith always used to uh, speak about. But anyway, I was pleased for, for Ryan Kent yesterday because there's been I mean, there's been more disquiet about his maybe his work rate off the ball. I mean, last season, albeit a great season last season, but in his previous seasons, We've always recognised as a, as a supporter, as a, a collector, that even though he might not produce, even though he might take extra touch, even though he's decision-making not been the best in seasons going by, except you can go around his work. Um, and this season, you know, some murmurs are just like saying that he might not work as hard as he is. He used to be a baller, but he has not any link outs about his right off the ball I think he's, he was back into the groove yesterday don't get me wrong he's, he's maybe taking that extra touch and his sharpness of terms of being potent in front of goal he's, he's shooting I mean he scored some fantastic goals last season um, against St Mun what in, in particular um, I think that was in the club YouTube channel the other, the other day there or the week one of the goals of the day and uh, we obviously, he's a star player, he's, he's one of the key men in the, in the side. You look at Alfred Morelis, shortly after St. Johnson took the lead, a ball got flashed across the goal, and, and Alfie's maybe a, you know, like a shoot, but gather. And uh, you know, in 96 against Germany, you know, he was he was maybe three, four inches away from getting a connection with studs and just putting the ball in the net. And you might say, ah, oh, it's a lack of sharpness. Yeah, hopefully in the, the next coming game, he'll get up to speed. But um, I'm kind of yesterday was getting the result obviously um, and I think there's more to come and you could say that possibly they'd won yesterday and they were looking to conserve energy they didn't want to be doing a lot of, um, how should we put it maybe, maybe the high press they were used to seeing Rangers doing um, so I think it's you know it, it, it's it's going to be a tough ask uh, later on in the week, but maybe this is just the occasion. As the Rangers, as the Celtic game, we were all we went in the Celtic game thinking, mm, we're maybe not quite firing all cylinders. So this could potentially be tricky, but you know, fair play, fair play. The team, you know, they stepped up and they, they showed a, a degree of the real Rangers. Maybe you know, come Thursday we'll see another degree of the real Rangers. Fingers crossed, anyway. Ross, uh, I mean, Ruff steps up, scores a penalty. Uh, Good penalty straight down the middle, you know, a wee bit of that run up that I don't like, the wee shuffle of the feet, I, I, I always find that a bit nerve-wracking, but he took it well. But it kind of it provoked this sort of stramash and this ridiculous situation. Uh, Liam Craig was in there, uh, Jamie McCart, Sean Rooney, a few others. Now, the first one I'm going to point out here is, is, is Liam Craig's attempt to get Morelos sent off. It was embarrassing, and I find it incredible that no one has highlighted this. You know, there's a bit of coming together between uh, Ruth and uh, Liam Craig. I don't know why Liam Craig needs to get involved, but he does. And I, and I think that was Patterson Johnson's 
whole sort of setup yesterday, and more so of late when when they play against us, uh, quite antagonistic, all that kind of thing. But you know, when when Ruth and, and Liam Craig sort of start their pushing and shoving, Morelos comes in, and he he just comes in. It, it looks like he's coming in a you know, try and split it up a wee bit. And the minute he touches Liam Craig, Craig goes down holding his face. And Rooney and McCart are screaming in the, uh, the referee's face to, to show a red card. And as I said, I, I found it incredible. I was actually, I, 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 I was a wee bit worried. I thought oh, the referee's going to buy it. Who was the referee again yesterday? Uh, Colin. Yeah. Willie yeah, Colin. Willie uh, I thought he's going to buy this. You know what I mean? And, and, and because it's Morelos... But luckily, you know, he'd, he'd seen sense and just booked everyone. But I, I, I found it really bizarre that no one highlighted the, the sort of antics of Liam Craig and, and what he attempted to do. I remember when Big Lafferty had done it a few seasons ago, you know, he, he managed to get Charlie Mulgrew sent off. You know, he was he was hung out to dry for, for that. I mean, it was in every newspaper for like the following five or six days. I'm, I'm not looking for that level of, of, of scrutiny, but I do expect the commentators or anyone to sort of mention when a, when a, when a, when a player tries to get a fellow pro sent off for sort of going down, holding his face and making out that, you know, something's happened. Uh, and I, I thought it was really poor. And there's, there's just something about St. Johnson now. I said this to my son yesterday watching it. I was kind of like, they're there now on the list of Aberdeen, Dungeon United, you know, Kilmarnock, teams that seem to just step it up a gear or two every time they play Rangers. I don't see that level of commitment and antagonism when they play any other club other than Rangers. And it's just like that. You're just like, well, that's another <laughs> that's another team on that list of clubs that I absolutely hate. Yeah. Uh, that was, it was such a strange incident, wasn't it? Um, I mean, it's, yeah, you're right. The, the, the boy, and actually, I, I, I don't know this is going to sound really bad for someone who's talking on a Scottish football, essentially what is a Scottish football podcast. I don't know which one of those lads is Craig or is Rooney or is McCart. They're completely irrelevant, right? The, these are players who do not set out to play football. They are there to wind up and, as you say, antagonise and frustrate. So going to take the ball off Roof when he's gone to get it after, after scoring the penalty, it's just... Um, it's it's exactly that. It's that antagonistic thing. Um, does Roof react badly? Not really. I mean, he, he tries to get the ball, and the boys blocking him and standing in his way, looking for a reaction, looking to delay, looking to waste time, and looking to frustrate Rangers. Um, Alfredo Morelos comes in, and he actually he doesn't even have his hands up. His hands are down, and he just—it's—it's it's as soon as he gets within a couple of inches of, of the boy, he's—you're right—he's down. He's holding space. Oh, I've been hit. I've been struck. Um, and it wouldn't have surprised anyone, anyone, if Willie Collum had got a red card out there, because you know that's Willie Collum's trademark is that kind of aggressive, panicky run towards an incident with a red card in his hand. Like we've seen, that's his—he's uh, he, a school teacher by trade, is he not? And he—he um, he almost takes that sort of discipline approach of like, right, there's an incident here, I need to get over and sort that out immediately and, and, and deal with it. Um, and it, it, no one would have been surprised if, if Morelos had been sent off. But in terms of why is no one talking about that? Well, because if, if the incident in the last week or 10 days with heart and hand has taught us nothing, it's that the bad stuff is only highlighted when it's Rangers. Right? So that's rule one. 
Um, so no, we'll never we'll never hear about this again. We'll never hear about the time that he went down and tried to get Morelos sent off. And if Morelos had been sent off, it would have been hot-headed Alfredo Morelos sent off again for reacting and raising his hands again. Um, but that's completely untrue, as as we also the actual facts were that happened yesterday. As it was booking four players in one incident, whilst it's uh, fairly rare, it's not a bad outcome for us because. I, I was convinced that either Roof was going to get sent off for daring to have his head near the St. Johnston player's head or that Morelos would be sent off for running towards the situation. Um, yeah, the, uh, in terms of St. Johnston, I do not look forward to playing them at all, whether that's because, like I say, they're set up to antagonise and um, it's just a, a not particularly enjoyable experience or because of the scars of last season when they papped us out of two cups. Um, not not my favourite squad in Scotland at the moment. No, I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't mind teams doing things that they need to do. You know, especially you know, as we know, money sort of dictates a lot of how how successful teams are. Right. So, Callum Davidson's got a job to do. I, I accept that. I need you know, they maybe need to deploy a wee bit of the the dark arts, you know, to try and get a reaction and, and all that kind of stuff. And again, I kind of get that. I don't I don't mind a good, honest sort of contest and a, and a wee bit of that going on. Right, but when a player just goes down like that, you know, holding his face, trying mm-hmm. to get a fellow pro sent off, and it isn't picked up, it isn't mentioned. If anything, there was a wee bit more focus on Morelos and, oh, he's mm-hmm. in there again, all that kind of stuff. Then you do start to think, right, okay, well, when, when does this become... Uh, you know, at, at what point is the is the, the debate going to be framed in a more fair way? What is it going to take for for a commentator? I mean, I was I was sitting in the kitchen today drawing drawing up the agenda for tonight's show, and I had the Hearts Hibs game on in the background. And within two minutes, Andy Walker had a had a dig at Rangers about, oh, it's good to see an away support and uh, you know in a derby. And it's just like that. Really? <laughs> what, it's Hibs v Hearts and within two minutes of the game starting you have to have a dig at Rangers. But by the way, let's not forget that Celtic haven't let any away supporters in this yeah, season. Yeah. But that doesn't, get, that doesn't get mentioned. You know, it's all about, oh, Rangers aren't letting the Celtic fans in, all that kind of stuff. And I just, I, I was sitting here typing away going, you know what, I'm sick of it. I am sick of this nonsense. It's, it's, it's so, it's tedious, isn't it? And, and the actual facts of that incident, again, are forgotten. Rangers had the tickets set aside for Celtic. They had an allocation for Celtic uh, and all they looked for was assurances that Rangers fans would get in because they knew that Celtic weren't letting away fans in at that point. All they were asking was, we'll give you these tickets if you can assure us that we will get the same treatment when we come to your place. They couldn't do that. Rangers have been giving, uh, are willing to give those tickets and yet it's Rangers' fault that Celtic wouldn't reciprocate the agreement and uh, it's, it's it's so tedious it's so I, dull I would just have loved to have seen see that incident yesterday if it was the other way around if it was St Johnston that scored the penalty and someone came in and blocked their goal scorer and mm-hmm. you know that it was one of our players that went down holding her face I would like to have seen the debate then uh, but instead there is no debate it's not even getting mentioned I think we're the first show to talk about it you know what I mean mm-hmm. I've not seen anyone mention Liam Craig and down holding his face trying to get Morello sent off and I, you know what I'm just going to have a pissed off here but anyway mm-hmm. I'll, I'll move on uh, David uh, before we scored the winner there was there was a wee bit of negative before the positive uh, Hollander 
obviously we discussed earlier on that, that Goldson wasn't there, so it was it was Hollander and, and Big Balogun were the centre half pairing. They looked fairly comfortable all day. Hollander, a wee bit unlucky, I thought, with the goal. You know, he, he did get a foot to it, and it's just sort of ricocheted off O'Halloran and, and, and couldn't have fell any nicer for him, and, he's, and he stuck it away in a way that he couldn't seem to do when he was at Rangers. Don't know how, but anyway. Uh, and then, you know, I think it was about 30 minutes to go. He was in another wee tussle with, with Hollander. Now, we've all got memories, or certainly I think me and you have got memories, David, of, of big Kuznets off up there. You know, innocuous challenges that just uh, wipe out a player and you, you don't see them again. And and this one looked very innocuous. You know, it, it, it was sort of tangled with uh, Halloran at the edge of the box. So Halloran kind of got the better of him. And then the minute Halloran crosses the ball and I think someone took a shot and went over the bar, the minute the ball went out of play, he just went down, sort of signaling, right, can someone come on and help me? You're, and those are the ones that worry me. The innocuous looking ones. And, you know, he's, he's taken off in a stretch. As Stephen Gerrard said, uh, you know, his knee was iced up, he was bandaged up as he left the ground in it, to quote Gerard, it doesn't look good. Uh, so hope, uh, you worried about that? I mean, obviously we've got we've got the big game coming up on Thursday, we could be without goals and for that, but even just, you know, uh, hopefully not, touch wood, but if it's going to be even a sort of longer term injury, maybe a few weeks or a couple of months or whatever, given how important Hollander is and given he's a player that, Every time he plays, Rangers don't lose. How big a miss would that be if this injury is uh, sort of mid to longer term? I think it would be huge, Colin. I think we've, we've already seen um, what an absence, a long-term absence with Philip Hollander can do to the, the balance of the side. Um, I don't think you need a genius to work out that he's be a big miss. Um, looking at the, the incidents yesterday, I, I wonder if he extended his knee uh, the, the goal for St Johnson because he obviously played on um, and then obviously the, the, the second one where he, um, he subsequently had to get to get carried off um, I'm just wondering whether he could possibly have been wrapped up in Cunningham after uh, the first instance um, he, he, he didn't he look all that comfortable thereafter I'm not so sure that he did uh, obviously, as I've mentioned previously, there um, Jack Simpson's now been in the, the European squad, uh, and obviously Nicola Katic is in loan, and I don't think we can recall him before January. So, obviously, Phil will be a big miss. You know, Touchwood, you know, it's a long term thing, but it's looking probably more than likely he's going to miss, th- miss Thursday night. And I think I was saying to Frankie before we came on air, it's possibly looking like it may be Calvin Bassey. Filling in at centre half on Thursday night. I'm assuming that Bonner Barisic is, is back, fit and available to play at left back. So, um, you know, we've not got our troubles to seek there. Uh, it's just down to bad luck. Obviously, with the COVID situation and uh, a potential injury arising, you know, that's just bad timing. Um, but as we've mentioned previously, there's going to be a test in the metal of the squad. Can a, a young player like Calvin Bassey, who's for the most part, it's looked no bad when he's come in to play a left back. He looks hungry. He looks as if he's, he's, he's maybe went up half a level since uh, the tail end of last season. Has he got enough about him to to slot in in the middle of defence? Assuming that would be the, the scenario um, at the back. Uh, possibly play there. Um, 
Hollander and, and goals and all that. So uh, all I hope is that you know, touch wood against and nothing happens to Liam Balligan because if, if something happened to Liam Balligan, I, I really like to think where we might end up. So um, so to play for on Thursday night. Hopefully, Phil, it's just you know maybe he's, he's jarred his knee, maybe a bit of swelling. I don't know. Hopefully, it's numb, something that isn't anything serious. But he's, he said a knee issue before, I think. Am I right in saying that? Did he have, did he have a knee issue when he was in Bologna? Um, I don't know if it's the same leg right enough. But, right, look, I, I, I think, think he's, he's, cer- he's certainly a player that needs to be managed, isn't he, you know, in terms of his injuries. And I think oh. a lot of times when it's artificial surface, he, 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 he tends to get left out against Hollander, you know, and, and it, oh. that, that could be linked to, you know, a knee issue previously. Oh, yeah, I think he's... There'll be players, you know, we're obviously not privy to, to what's, what the physical history of players are. Um, and we wouldn't even get to know half it via the papers or the media. So there, there is obviously load balancing going on. You mentioned that he doesn't tend to, tend to turn out in plastic pits. But, you know, there'll be times when, you know, it'll be enforced upon the manager. Now, Stevie saw fit to, to let go of George Edmondson. Um, and he's obviously so fit to, to loan out Nicola Katic, so that only leaves him, Jack Simpson and uh, Liam Balligan as well, because the first choice pair, obviously, you would like to back themselves. Um, Jack Simpson, I don't know if there's any special dispensation to, to ameliorate the, the squad in light of, you know, bodies not being available and possibly COVID. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily the case, so I think we'll just need to go on it. It's, it's as simple as that, but hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully you know, after a couple of days it settles down. I think, it's, I think the manager said that they'll need to wait possibly till tomorrow at the earliest to get a scan and when Phil's needed. So hopefully, fingers crossed, he's, he's all right and he's, he's, he's fit to take some part in the game. And doesn't he? I feel like that, you know, he's not going to be an extended time when it comes to domestic match. Ross, the, I mean, on, on to Tav's winner then, I mean, there's not much else you can say really. I mean, it was just a thing of absolute beauty. And you know you know what I really enjoyed about it was, I mean, the, the, he scored a couple of crackers last season. Uh, the one at Tanadice spring, springs to mind, you know, that free kick that he, that he pinged in at Tanadice. Uh, but I mean, the manner of this, you know, given we'd been 1-0 down, uh, we've, we've lost our centre-half, before the game, we've, we've lost our other centre half just before he scored, and just the nature of the game, and and to get a late on winner with supporters on the ground and get the real feel that it's a late on winner, and that, and everything that came with, you know, he's running up to the fans, the players are all there, and uh, it just felt it felt like a proper proper football moment. Now we had them last season, you know. I, I, I jumped about my living room countless times last season when you know when they went that season undefeated. But there is a lot. I saw someone saying there's a real difference when between piping sound into a game and, and actually real live supporters being there. And everything about it just felt like a proper proper football moment. The goal itself was an absolute peach. There was a great there was a great image today in social media of Xander Clark, uh, and it it, it, it it does actually look like someone shot him. You know what I mean? Because he's he's gave up, so he's just basically jumping in the air. Both hands are down by his side, and it looks like someone's just taking him out with an AK-47. Uh, you know, the, the the way that the ball went into the net, I, I was hearing stuff today as well that Richard Gordon and it might have been Michael Stewart were, were moaning yesterday that 
Oh, it wasn't that good a goal. It never, it never even went in the top corner. You know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I thought everything about it. I thought there was a wee bit of Beckham about it, if I'm being honest. You know, the, the, the dip in the ball, the, the sort of trajectory that it took. Uh, it, it, it struck me as a, the sort of goal that he scored back in his sort of pomp. But an absolute cracker and one that was made better by the fact that there was fans there and, you know, you got that real sense of a big moment in a game. Yeah, it was a, a really smashing moment. It was. I mean, that you know what it's like. You're in a, a in a football ground, and the, the the noise as the ball hits the back of the net, and then a quarter of a second before the the fans realise what's happened. That, that that sort of, and then the explosion of noise and of relief and outpouring emotion. Um, that was that was fabulous to see. Um, the limbs going mad behind the goal because it's um, we've waited long enough. Obviously, it's not the first the first goal that we've scored in front of fans this this season. But um, you know, it was it, it wasn't just about fans being back in the stadium. It was about supporters' buses running again and and people getting back to their match day rituals and the routines. And um, that was it's it was also it's really, also about St. Johnson charging Rangers fans ten pound more compared to the home fans as well. You know, we can't forget that. Is that right? I don't, uh-huh. I don't yeah. know that. I mean, that is that's why they're on the list. You know, I mean, that's why they've made yeah. the list. Everything about them, they're now literally the blue pound, isn't it? Um, yeah. But uh, the goal itself, I mean, I don't, I, I don't even begin to understand the physics of that. How you hit a ball that hard and that fast and get that shape on it? Um, and anyone who says oh, it's not a good goal didn't even go in the top corner is either, uh, and I suspect in the case of both. Mr. Gordon and Mr. Stewart either deliberately trying to underplay it because they're so bitter that they can't bring themselves to acknowledge a good goal when they see it, um, or they don't understand football. They don't understand what a good goal is. I mean, Xander Clark's a good goalkeeper. You know, he's a he's a decent he's a decent keeper. He's also not a short guy. He's a big lad. Um, he was nowhere near it. He was nowhere near the ball. Um, it was uh, you know. Tavernier has had some some wonderful, wonderful moments at Rangers, taken away, you know, obviously the moment of lifting the trophy. But, you know, he scored on his debut at, at Easter Road against Hibs in the Petrofac Cup, as it was at that time. Yeah. Um, he scored another free kick that same season in the league against Hibs. I don't know if you remember that one, but it was yeah, almost... Yeah, I remember that one. That was a peach. It was that a, was he scored the free kick against Celtic as well. He scored the free kick against Celtic, the one where it kind of it almost looked like a cross into the box and no one got a touch yeah. on it a couple of minutes into that game. Um, the Dundee United goal was was special. That, that goal yesterday was, is, for me, the best goal I've seen him score and it's one of the best things I've seen him do as a Rangers player. Um, because it was also, as I said earlier, we were not creating anything and we needed someone to step up and do something about it. And that's exactly what he did. And it would have been very easy for him not to do that because... The criticism that he gets from our fan base is incredible at times. You know, he's like I say, he's one of the few players that will actually try something different, take something that's not always going to work out because he's not playing for Real Madrid. You know, so it, it would have been easy for him to just hold the ball, look for a pass, try and get the ball into the box. But he's had the bravery in a time that you know we had what fifteen minutes or so left of that game. Fans were getting nervous. It was very very edgy. Um, and he's taken it on and he's he's scored with a, a wonderful moment. I mean, I don't tend to watch sports scene. I don't particularly care um, what Celtic's goals look like. I certainly don't care what you know Dundee United versus 
St Mirren or whoever it was that was also playing. I don't really care what their goals look like, but I'd be amazed if there was a better goal scored certainly this week um, in Scotland. But probably all season. As a very early contender for goal of the season, definitely. Uh, last last sort of comment and point on the game, David, before we move on. Uh, I think the manner of the victory needs to be sort of highlighted because, you know, a lot of questions have been asked about the, the character of this team. And, and sometimes, you know, historically it's came from from ourselves. Certainly in this show, you know, in previous years, we've, we've questioned the character of this team. Last season, we couldn't really question the character because they just blew everyone away, you know, and... Uh, they were just on another level last season. The cycle of that team had sort of peaked, and you know, no one, no one could really live with them. And so, I, I don't think there was the only game I, I felt there was a real level of character required was that Motherwell game at Ibrox when it was really touchy, and we scored a couple of goals towards the end. But this season, you know, we've we've not been hitting the same heights. You know, we've, we've already had that disappointment at Tanadice with the disappointment at Malmo. You know, lots of pressure and lots of questions. Lots, lots of people saying we can't play in front of crowds. You know, one nothing down after having eighty five percent of possession to turn that around. I think that shows that this team has got the character. And you know, if, if you're expecting Rangers to slip up on that front, then you, you could be in for a long wait. Definitely, definitely. I think um, yesterday's performance was, you know, that, that was. The marker champions, uh, a resilient Rangers performance. Um, I've, uh, I'm just thinking that our chums sat in their cars going to going through the East End for the game yesterday. They, they would have been, they've been waiting, waiting us dropping points yesterday. And when when that goal goes in, they must have been like, oh, here we go. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, that I look, I concur wholeheartedly, mate. Um, a goal, a goal. Um, but you know, people always think that James Tanner and the team legitimately yesterday that was the responsibility. I mean, he had a shot, he had a curler from the opposite side of the, the 18 yard box shortly before he scored, and it was a sighter. Um, it was just over and, and slightly wide, and uh, that goal was just, you know, that, that was a, a skipper taking responsibility. And you might say, I cribbling it over the bar, it could have, the keeper, Xander Clark, could have saved it. No, nobody was saving that. And that, that was a moment where someone who has the degree of security that the last season had brought them, where he's, he's, he stood up, taking responsibility, and said, you know, I'm going to need to try something different here. And it's come off. The fact that they didn't pick, they, they didn't, um, despite you know, Liam Craig's best efforts, they didn't get involved. And they put in a marker yesterday that, you know, on their side, you know, they had a bloody nose early in the season, they went to Tanadice and they slipped up, they were well off the pace. Um, and they've looked lethargic. In the early part of the season, and yesterday, you know, they didn't create a lot. It was frustrating, you know. Maybe in the final third, it just was it was lacking that, you know, abusing cliches here, that cutting edge that we always speak about. But yesterday, when the chips were done, you know, there was the, the collective mentality that no, we're we're not up here. 
we're going to collect maximum points. We're going to show everybody in this league who the champions are, and that's you know that sets a standard. You know, if the, the next time it's it's about nip and tuck away from home, even at, even at Ibrox, they can call up and say, "Well, look, let's think back to when we were we were scrapping for for some form and some food." Circumstances that, that no side has been used to. But yesterday, with the fans behind us, two ends behind us, a, a significant portion of that main stand, the boys delivered and uh, all power to them. Right, guys, before we sort of go on to a couple of wee topics before we finish up for tonight, I, I need to highlight our, our partners, Football Prizes, uh, and the prizes that they've got, got going for us at the moment. It's a Neil McCann signed and framed Rangers shirt. It's from the 99 season, uh, the season that he scored to that wonderful day. We won the league at Celtic Park, uh, signed by the man himself. Tickets cost £5.95. Uh, there are 65 tickets available for us. How many of those are left? Sorry, I don't quite know that at the moment, but there are, there are 65 in total. Uh, the competition deadline is this Wednesday, the 15th of September at 7.30pm. So get yourself onto www.footballprizes.co.uk if you want to be in with a chance of winning that Neil McCann signed shirt. Guys, uh, Ross, I'll come to you quickly on this one because, uh, you know, clock's against us a wee bit. I, I thought we would quickly, myself and Stuart spoke a wee bit about this on uh, Friday night there for the preview show. That, that This announcement that they're, they're bringing out the 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 COVID passports for, for large events over... Uh, 10,000, I think it is, which will obviously impact in Ibrox for every, for every home game. Now, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of things about this. Now, as I said on Friday, I don't disagree with the concept and I can understand why people who are making these decisions have, have came to this decision. I think the one thing they want to avoid is another lockdown. Cases are going through the roof, so they're, they're looking at options. Although it's interesting to see that the UK government have announced today that they're, they said they were going to do it and now they're scrapping it, so... Who knows, things might change. But uh, I understand the reasons behind it, okay? I, I get that. It's, it's more the, one, it's the, is it fair on people who, you know, are, are, are a bit reluctant about taking this vaccine, given, you know, it was developed fairly quickly. I know someone like that who's a season ticket holder. You know, so he's coughed up for his season ticket at the start of the season. Now he's been told that unless he, he's, he's double jabbed or has a really strong legitimate reason for not being double jabbed, He's not allowed to go to this event. Is that fair? And also, how are the club going to manage this? It seems to me it's another layer of bureaucracy. And and let's be honest, they're not the best at a lot of this stuff, as some of us can can testify. So I, 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 I'm a bit worried about that. And also, why are the players not under the same scrutiny? Do they do they need to be double jabbed in order to play? So there's there's lots of questions. Uh, but the, the main two I would I would ask you of is it fair and how do you feel about the club's ability to handle it? it, it look, no one's um, no one's thinking of me as a sharp legal mind of our generation, right? <laughs> I think that there, there probably are 
sort of significant legal questions to this. Can you do this? Is it a human rights issue? Um, so I'll kind of put that to one side because I wouldn't even know where to start with that. Is it fair? Um, no, probably not. Probably isn't fair. Um, there are there are legitimate reasons that people uh, wouldn't get the vaccine. Look, I'm, I'm double jabbed. Um, I, I, I took the vaccine and I would I would um, take it again and I would go as far as to encourage people who haven't done so to to seriously consider it and think about your reasons as to why you, you would or wouldn't want to. Um, but at the same time, you have to accept that there are reasons that people either A, wouldn't want to, as you, as you referenced with the chap who, who is worried that it's been developed too quickly and has that gone through enough rigorous testing, through to um, medical reasons that you can't, um, right down the way to, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure that there will still be some adults in Scotland or, or maybe in the UK who just haven't had their time to be double jabbed yet. You know, the, the, the rollout might not have got to everyone by, by, by this stage. So is that fair? That's certainly not fair on, on them. That said, there's not been much that's been fair about COVID over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, we, we will all know people who have, who have suffered and have been you know, horribly impacted by it. Um, so it's just another one of these things in a long line of unfair incidents to do with this disease. Um, and that's that's no one's fault, um, uh, unless you want to go and find the guy in China who ate a bat, allegedly. Um, look, I, I, and, and again, I don't want to turn this into a political issue because, uh, believe you me, uh, there are political issues that can really go after, and we've seen that the last couple of weeks. Um, but I don't think it's possible really to say what the right or the wrong thing is with, with regards to this. Um, I don't think it's fair, uh, really. I think it's, if, if you have a legitimate reason to not want the vaccine or be unable to have the vaccine, um, this must really hurt. When it comes to then the question of refunds, I mean, Rangers, surely Rangers aren't liable for that refund. It's not their decision. Um, the SNP certainly aren't going to be handing out you know, £500 to Rangers fans who decide not to get vaccinated. That, that, that's probably not a good look for them in terms of their PR. Um, so I don't know what the answer is there. I really don't. Um, then in terms of the practicalities, well, Colin, you know better than anyone else that <laughs> Rangers is not the best at actually getting fans a ticket in their hand and getting them through the turnstiles. Ticket offices are shambles. Um, security and stewarding at times can be um, left wanting season ticket access as you found out at, at the start of the season is, is uh, temperamental at best so now adding another layer of is, what is there going to be a, a chap at the door demanding to see vaccine passports is it, is it okay to do that the first time that you go and then it'll be logged against your season ticket well what if I lend my season ticket to a mate it, it, it just yeah. doesn't I don't know. It, how it, op it opens up a lot of questions. That's it it sure. does. It does. And, and if what about supporters' buses who get an allocation and they've mm -hmm. got five? They've got five tickets left over. How can they recoup that money by selling them on? You know what I? Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's impossible. If you're Stuart Robertson, how the hell do you manage that? Yeah. You know what, what's what is the club supposed to do other than urgently get on the phone to the SNP? Because uh, again, I have no knowledge of the situation, but I will bet anything. That no club was consulted about this. Um, so, 
how do we I mean, it, it, I, mean we have to, I, I think we have to be fair here it's not just football clubs that are affected no of you course know? and, and of I course. do think that is one of the accusations from, from people who are affected by this so like well, you know yeah, we, we, we weren't asked I do I feel for the likes of say uh, I don't know Partick Thistle right Partick Thistle most weeks they're not getting 10,000 at a game but they might for certain events or Clunsey United or Ross County is, is that now the days of selling tickets on the door is that is that gone? Um, see, that see, way, see what see what I think could happen with those kind of grounds, you know, those clubs where they don't get ten thousand quite a lot. You know, there'll be a lot of clubs in, in the the top flight who say, well, you know, the only time we we breach ten thousand barrier is when Rangers or Celtic come to town. Mm-hmm. Rather than go through this whole thing, I, I think you might just see them limiting the capacity nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Right, but then what's going to happen is that when Rangers and Celtic come to town, they don't want to go through the hassle of you know, vaccine passports and everything, so don't give us any tickets. Yeah, and that's then, what I mean. They'll limit, they'll limit the amount of tickets. Uh, that's what I mean. So every, everybody loses. Impossible situation. It really yeah, is. It is. It's, it's going to, it's, I'm not looking forward to it. I, I think we're at home on the 3rd of October against Tabs. That's the first yeah. game. Uh, and as I said on Friday night, I'm already resigned that I'm not going to get in that day. <laughs> I'll, I'll be standing outside with another two, three thousand. It's a certainty. Uh, David, final point for tonight. Uh, I noticed we're running over a wee bit, so just just a sort of quick point. Uh, Thursday night, you know, we, do, we won't look at the Leon game specifically because we'll have the preview show, and I believe I've got uh, a Leon fan and blogger coming on on Wednesday night. Tom Abadi, I think his name is. He's coming on on Wednesday to, to discuss who, you know, Leon and, and give us a wee insight to them. But in terms of the actual group stages as a whole, you know, over the last two or three years, we've had a good run at this. We've done quite well in the, the Europa League, particularly last season. You know, Gerard got us in that, that first year in eighteen nineteen. Didn't get us out of the group stages at that point. But the last two seasons he has. So, I mean, what's your ambitions this year? Can, can you think we can go one round further? Or do you feel the way the team's performing at the moment that maybe the last two seasons have been the peak and... You know, we've, we've kind of hit the glass ceiling in, in that respect as, as far as where this team can go in this tournament. Yeah, it's difficult to tell, Colin. Um, I'll possibly sit in the fence slightly here and say that I, I would, you know, I would temper my enthusiasm about where we can end up in the tournament by saying that baby steps, you know, we're, we're scratching for form just now. So I think um, let's get Thursday night out of the way, put on a good performance hopefully collect maximum points, given it's a match at home, and then start to try and build some momentum in the group. Um, when the draw came out, I thought it was a reasonable draw. Um, obviously, Leon are a, are a decent name. Sparta are a decent name in Europe. Uh, so, in Brownby, you know, whilst they've not necessarily hit the heights of, you know, maybe Danish size in yesteryear, you know, they'll, they'll be in all these mugs shall we say. So, and we, we aren't good enough as a team and as a squad to you know, dismiss any opponent that, that we come up against in Europa League. And also, the, you know, the, the standard uh, of the competition is, is arguably getting better. So, it's great to be there, there again. It's obviously um, you know, a, a good achievement by the team to, to make the groups again. It's great for us as fans to get to get the, the home match package and if you know if, if economics and ticketing allows, you know, we are getting away day to, to some nice cities in the continent. And it's it's, it's all good. It, it, it keeps 
the the level of interest high. It keeps the, the level of sharpness amongst the squad high because you're going to come up against quality players. I just did a look through the, the Leon squad there earlier before we came on air and there were obviously a couple of signings. Um, certain Shakiri's moved to Liverpool. So there'll be good players um, without stealing the, the, the French lads thunder for, for the preview pod. Um, I noticed that the, the, the league fixture, they play PSG a week tonight, so it could well... Uh, be the case that they may well rest some of their their, uh, their top stars with one eye on their league fixture, and I think they're also um, impacted by COVID. So we, we don't know. We, we just we, we need to we need to turn up. Obviously, we've got a potential injury headache, um, but as I've said to you previously, um, it's it's all there for the players, the management. Um, it's there for us to go and. Got a performance in the fans will be behind us, behind the team, as we've seen at, at, at um, the Celtic game. The atmosphere was, was electric. We've waited a long time to get into the stadium again for big games, and uh, I think you know it's, it could this fixture could come at a better time. But we're we're looking to try and you know go up the gears and and a real performance and I think that you know I'm looking forward to Thursday night. Yes, it'll be tricky. Yes, we're up against good players. But Stevie and, and Mick and Gary and Tom have, have, have shown uh, a nouse in European football that we're not going to be taken apart, um, even if we are you know, subpar in terms of our, our first choice 11. Um, we might not be at full strength, but you know, hopefully that will not be the case, Touchwood. But aye, look, I'm looking forward to it. And we better been in there as not been in there. So, aye, bring it on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Really looking forward to Thursday night. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, we'll get a result. Right, guys, that's, that's us. We've, we've run a few minutes over tonight, so we'll probably best to, to wrap it up there. So a big thanks to David Fraser and Ross Bennett for their contributions tonight. Uh, great stuff from them, as always. Uh, we'll have a show on Wednesday night for the, 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 the Leon game. We've got the preview show, as I said earlier on. Uh, we've got that Leon fan and blogger coming on. We'll also have a preview show on Friday and we'll have the main show next Sunday as well. In the meantime, get yourself on to the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, look after yourself. As I said earlier on, cases are kind of going up again. So uh, look after yourself, test yourself regularly, all that kind of stuff. And until next time, bye for now.